Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In my mind, I was saying goodbye to the show. I was saying goodbye to maybe even Ahsoka. I was, I was saying goodbye to Padme. So the emotions were very real. And I started mm-hmm. just sobbing in the uh-huh. in the recording studio, like literally like. I could not stop crying. Like snot was coming out. It was one of those ugly cries. I don't think Dave even realized how much I was crying. (laughs) It's time to double your pleasure and double your fun and break out a stick of double mint gum because we've got not one but two Star Wars shows to discuss this week here on the Dagobah Dispatch. We've got a very familiar face showing up in the latest episode of Andor, and we've got the release of the new animated Tales of the Jedi to discuss. Not only will we discuss both of those things, but in keeping with the number of the week being two, we've got two interviews for you with the stars of Tales of the Jedi. We'll be speaking with Ashley Eckstein, who plays Ahsoka Tano. Lauren's sister's favorite character, by the way, and Corey Burton, who voices the notorious Count Dooku. We've got all that and more coming at you right here on the Dagobah Dispatch. I'm Dalton Ross, joined as always by Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan. Uh, so much Star Wars all of a sudden, Devin. So much Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars. Look, I'm not complaining. Uh, House of the Dragon and Rings of Power are over now, so I'm like in full. I need, I need something to, to fill my geek quota. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? You're well. This is when we got animated Star Wars, so we know Lauren's happy. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I'm technically off this week, but I was not going to, you know, skip this one because I wanted to make sure you talked about the animated Star. Wars, <laughs> we, so. we 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 are going to talk a lot about. Like I said, we've got two interviews as well uh, with the stars of the uh, Tales of the Jedi. So we're definitely going to be getting into that. I'll have you know, uh, I'm sitting here for the first time in the uh, the presence of greatness. Uh, sitting here with Sammy Hunia. <laughs> we're in this tiny. recording studio they have that somehow it's it's so small yet still they've managed to put up a poster of yoda and 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 they're throwing darts at yoda just while we're recording this (laughs) so if you hear some sort of pinging noises while that happens that that's what's going on in in the background that was the room i was recording with sammy last week when uh when they were uh disparaging yoda so you know i had to keep my calm uh, by the way, Devin, before you logged in this morning, as we're all logging in, as soon as we got on and Lauren was there, her husband in the background yelled, how can you hate Yoda? Just like, just all like, just I mean, I have the, the same family. question, but you yeah. know, whatever. We, we we were very grateful to Sammy for, for coming on and bravely sharing that opinion. Damn straight. Damn straight we were. All right. Uh, before we get into uh, all the, 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 the televised st- Star Wars that happened this week, uh, a bit of news that came out. Uh, we, we knew Damon Lindelof was working on a Star Wars project. A little more news came out about that. He's basically writing a, a a Star Wars movie that will take place after the events of Rise of Skywalker. He's writing it with Justin Britt Gibson, who worked on The Strain and The Counterpart. And it's going to be directed by uh, Miss Marvel's Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy. So 
the Hollywood Reporter had an article that also there was a, a a big writers' room session that featured a bunch of people like Patrick Somerville, who who worked with Lindelof on Leftovers. He also obviously did Station Eleven, which I absolutely loved. Uh, Raina McClendon, who worked on Obi Wan Kenobi, and she's a writer on Willow as well. Andy Greenwald, who worked on a uh, movie Briar Patch. So a bunch of people all coming together to do this movie that, like I said, will take place. After the events arise, a Skywalker, Lauren's favorite film, but it's not a continuation of the Skywalker saga, but it could feature some of the characters from the trilogy. So it's all very confusing. Uh, any, uh, what's your sort of initial take on all this news, Devin? I'm I'm hyped about it. I it's been a long time since we've seen anything on the film side of Star Wars. You know, we've we've been spending so much time on Disney Plus with all of these these TV projects, which are great. Um, but I'm 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 also kind of missing the big theatrical experience. So so the idea that they are returning to you know and the, to, there's a couple things that are in in the works. You know, Taika Waititi is working on something. Um, there's that Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie that I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but. Um, yeah, I'm 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 intrigued by this. You know, I'm somebody who um I was one of the biggest pop culture holes in my knowledge is I was I never watched Lost, but I was <gasps> I know, I know, I know I'm a terrible <gasps> person. But I'm a huge fan and of And you work at AW. How it's kinda of shocking, right? I mean I've never watched Friends, so I guess I can't. I've also never watched Friends. I don't like Friends either. <laughs> I, I I actively dislike Friends. So, yeah, same yeah. with me. So there me we go. Me too. So okay, good. There's one thing we can agree on. But I okay. I love I'm a huge fan of um of Lindelof's Watchmen uh you know tv show and i'm i'm very excited about this and i'm very curious as to what it'll look like sort of after rise of skywalker because the sky's kind of the limit you know that you can there's no story points that you have to make sure you hit there's no you know characters that you have to make sure they stay alive because they're going to show up in later things like you can kind of it's a little bit of a creative free-for-all um which could be great or it could be a disaster so i'm really really curious to see kind of how it shakes out what do you guys think well, I, I, I'm a Lindelof stan, like, and uh, I mean, I honestly, I think he has three of the best shows in the history of television, not only Lost and Watchmen, which I adored, but The Leftovers. Yeah. And so, I mean, he, I mean, I'm not going to say he can do no wrong because he's got some things on his resume that maybe are not quite to that level, but I, I'm a huge fan of his. And I also remember having some really long, incredible email exchange with him about C-3PO, like. 15 years ago, we went no back way. and forth. So, so he knows his Star Wars, you know what I mean? So like, uh, that makes me happy as well. Lauren, I'm not sure where you sit on the uh, the Damon Lindelof of it all, but how are you feeling about it? Oh, I love Damon Lindelof. I, you know, I was a big Lost fan. I haven't gotten to The Leftovers, but it's been on my list. <gasps> uh, I know you can do that to me. But, She's going to do that every 30 the seconds. Left, just the like left, though, it was, it, I think it came out right around the time I became a new well, mom, so you, there was a ton well, of the, stuff I didn't watch. The, 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 the one thing I was say The Leftovers, it's... It is that annoying show where like it doesn't start off great, and mm -hmm. you know those shows will be like, no, you got to stick with it, and you're like, there's yeah. ten million yeah. shows, I can't. Yeah. So, it, but this is the one where it really is worth sticking with it. Yeah, that's what I've, I've heard, and it's you know, so it's been one of those ones where I'm you know, uh, I guess my next COVID battle, I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch that one because <laughs> that's where I was knocking out. You'll love this it. Time. Um, but you know, I loved the Watchmen. I thought that was a great adaptation of that work, and so I was super excited to hear. My only uh, you know pause is that we've gotten a lot of Star Wars movies announced that haven't happened. So sure. I'm gonna wait till this goes into production. <laughs> this is right. like. You know, this is a lot of people that I, I find really interesting, but yeah, we've, we, 
we don't have the Patty Jenkins movie. Like there was the Ryan Johnson trilogy that maybe well, there was the Game of Thrones day. guys. The Game oh, of yeah. Thrones guys. Right? I'm yeah. kind yeah. of okay with them not getting one. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> that one I think is officially dead. That one I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Um, Kevin but, Feige you know, is working on yeah, one. Yeah, the Kevin Feige one. So yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, like once we start going into production and I see then, you know, I'll get a little hype. But right now I'm just kind of pause on it. But uh, in terms of the creators that I would, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I love Damon Lindelof. I think he's a great storyteller. So I'm excited to see what he would come up with. I just hope he gets to make it. I mean, they've um, got a director named and that's a big yeah, step, right? So like good. it's not just yeah. writers in a room somewhere and hey, if we, we crack the code on this script, we'll move ahead. I mean, they, they do have a director. It doesn't mean it couldn't fall apart, but that's yeah. at least... That that's a good sign that they have a, a different director's name. Yeah, and the director um, did a lot of episodes of Miss Marvel, which I don't know if you guys watched, but has been yeah. one of my absolute favorite Disney Plus like Marvel projects. I've been very yeah. delighted by Miss Marvel. Um, so I'm I'm that gives me um you know gives me hope. The other the, one of the other directors who worked on that um were the the two directors who directed Batgirl. R.I.P. Um, oh. <laughs> but um <laughs> someday I, I hope someone was someone pirated i liked miss marvel a lot because it was so fun and it was like such a new take on it so i really kind of hope that this is like uh you know a fun like the, there's a lot of like they inject a lot of fun into this one and it, and this time period is like super opened up like they haven't really done a lot like they've done like a couple of Lego movies, but they haven't really done a lot, like even in terms of books or anything like that for like the post rise of Skywalker. So I am kind of fascinated. I do kind of want like kind of want them to just be in a different part of the galaxy. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how much of money they would have to like, you know, offer any of the original cast members, but uh, to or the sequel trilogy cast members to come back for it. But we shall see. I don't think that they will. I could be 100% wrong, but I don't think they will do a big screen Star Wars movie without some sort of connection to it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying like a straight, I'm not saying a straight spinoff per se, but like, like even the, 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 the latest trilogy, you know, the Force Awakens one, like, you know, you, you, you had Han, Leia and Luke, and even though like, you know, Luke wasn't really in that film, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you, you just, you had those, those things to, those, those things to, to hold on to. So I, I, there'll be some connection. There'll be some sort of character or characters, but they won't, it won't be Ray, you know, uh, and people like that or Poe, I, I assume. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Um, all right, let's talk about what we have seen, what has made it to to the screen. And let's just start with uh, with Andor, and then we get, I think we're going to probably want to talk a little bit more about Tales of the Jedi. Uh, Andor episode eight this week. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, this, the we had the heist, right? Devin loves a good heist. Love a heist. As do, do we, we have, we had the heist. I love a good prison break. And I, we have to assume that we're going to get into prison break territory here because Cassian is in prison. He's put on a, a, a prison transport to Narkina 5, uh, which is an Imperial factory facility. And let's start there because I I really like this a lot because I thought it was a really cool looking prison. It wasn't like something we've seen before. Like I said, it's more of a factory in a sense mm-hmm. than a prison. It's very bright. It's not dark. I like the burst of orange on their uniforms, ladies. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting the way that they keep order, which is uh, not necessarily with blasters uh, at their side, but the floors electrocuted and can get hot, uh, like burning, scalding hot. And that's how they keep all the prisoners uh, in line. Devin, what did you think of this uh, Imperial factory prison on Narkina 5? 
I was kind of fascinated by this episode. This episode simultaneously felt the least Star Wars and also kind of the most Star Wars of of everything that's of Andor that's happened. If that makes any sense at all, like I, this felt to me like you could pick up this this planet and this this factory and, and place it sort of in any sort of dystopian sci fi story. But it also had these tinges of of Star Wars in it. Um, I liked all the little details, like the fact that they spent so much time and they were like, okay, like this is how you get your food. And it's so weird. It's in a tube. And if you're really lucky, you get flavor. And and I was fascinated by this idea that, you know, um, there, there's no disorder because it's it's pitting prisoners against each other. It's this competition, basically, where the winners get, you know, flavoring in their food and the, the losers get fried. Um, and we can't talk about, you know, the prison without talking about a certain cameo that made me a Lord of the Rings fan very, very, very excited, um, which is the return of Andy Serkis, um, who has been in Star Wars before, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, voicing and performance capture uh, for uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. I know Lauren's favorite character of all time. Yeah. Actually, I don't mind Snoke. I just don't wonder why I he's do. in vets. But, I now I, but now maybe <laughs> I know why Snoke wound up in a vat. Like, you know, maybe this. You but know. the problem with Snoke was not Andy Serkis, who's amazing. No, no, no. Andy Serkis rules. Right. Andy Serkis is blameless in all things. Like The, the, that's, the problem you know, with Snoke yeah. is that he was just like, some of, like many of the problems of the Last Ranch uh, trilogy is that it's just a, a poor man's version of the original. It's like a, yeah. a, a bad carbon copy or a clone, uh, as we saw later hey. with Palpatine. But he's not the Palpatine clone, but he's just the poor man's Palpatine um, was the problem with Snow. But that's been one of the things that I've really been impressed by Andor as, t- as time goes on. And, you know, I've been on the record by saying I didn't really enjoy the first couple episodes of Andor. I thought it was a slow start. I, I wasn't terribly interested in a lot of the flashbacks and some of the things that happened. But now I've been kind of impressed by we've gotten more new planets and new stuff in this in this show so far than any of the other Star Wars shows or any of the other things. I'm just, it's kind of cool to tell a story that's not just 1977 or Empire Strikes Back, like, redone. Like, there's no lightsaber. Like, I don't know. I, 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 Andor has kind of won me over, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I was, I was very cool on it at the beginning. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is what, like, the rest of the galaxy looks like it's not just like four jedi like running around constantly bumping into each other all related to each other lauren where are you at with this episode and as we talk about that let's also talk about uh, an introduction of another character that spent a lot of time in the animated universe saw guerrera who meets up with luthan and they have a a big scene which is really kind of interesting to me because usually when you have these scenes especially in star wars and especially with saw guerrera it's always saw guerrera is the extreme and then you have this person who's more, you know, moderated and like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you you go too far. Like there's a balance and you have to do do good. But yeah. but but this this scene, you have these two people that are both to the extreme, yet they can't agree. Right. Luthen's like basically his plan is like we need to make people miserable yeah. and we need to put them through as much pain and suffering um, as possible because that's the only way they're going to rebel. So he's hardcore. And you have this two medium between these two people who still can't agree on on, a, on a, a path. So what did you think of that scene and what do you think in general of the series in this episode? I think it's interesting because in the past you've always seen Saw in opposition to like Bale and Mon Mothma because they were, you know, Bale and Mon Mothma were like kind of like the official rebellion leaders, but they had a very sort of specific way that they were doing it. And then Saw was out there doing crazy stuff. But now it's like we see, oh, there's another sector here in Luthen, and Luthen and Saw aren't getting along either. And then Mon Mothma and Luthen are also. So you see all of these different people 
who are trying to lead this rebellion, but they all have different philosophies and theories of how this 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 needs to go and how this will really happen. So uh, it was kind of interesting to just sort of see that with Luthen and Saw. And also like just sort of seeing that like Luthen, you know, he pulled off this great heist in Aldani, but then things have kind of started to get a little bit out of his control. Like Bex tries to contact him and he like, you know, and, and Clea is basically like, no, we, we can't, we can't answer her back. Like we have to go to ground on this one. And like Belle's there. So she, she, maybe she'll get information out of where it, like, cause they're still looking for Cassian as well. No one realizes that he has been caught. And, you know, you would think like the one thing about the whole Cassian prison thing, I'm like, don't they do any face scans? Like wouldn't Cassian's pop up as like an alias or something like that? Like that was like the one thing that I did have a question about with Narkina 5 was like, you would think like maybe the Empire hasn't gotten into facial recognition as much as we have. But (laughs) I I would have thought that that would have popped. But, you know, Um but uh, so yeah. I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. I have to admit the first time I went through, I we got screeners for the next three and I was interested. I was like, why did we get screeners for three episodes? Uh, and then I watched the all three last night. So I kind of know where everything is going. So the first episode, I was like, where is this going? And then by the third, I was like, I know where this is going. So I, I rewatched the first one this morning and I really liked it a lot more. And uh, just the prison stuff, because I was trying to figure out like what's going on here, you know, Really glad to see Andy Circus again. And of course, got to see more of Mon Mothma's glorious apartment and more of Ben Miles, who I'm enjoying as well. But yeah, the Saw and Luthen thing was kind of interesting. Just They're kind of doing these like three episode arcs in a sense. I guess episode seven in a way was not part of that because it was like yeah. you had one through three. Uh, and then you had, which was, you know, just the setup. And as we all agreed, yeah. too much of that. Then you had the heist, which was like four through six. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you had a few episodes now, eight through 10 is essentially the prison. Is he going to get out of the prison and what's going to happen there? It's Toby Haynes directed it all. It kind of reminded me of how the Clone Wars was set up because the Clone Wars was always done in like arcs yeah. of three. So that's like when it popped up, that was, but it was funny because I thought about this last week and it, I kind of came to it more. It was like, I don't know if either of you ever watched Boardwalk Empire. Oh yeah. But yeah, so it's like, I just, this like their pacing is reminding me a lot of like, everything's very deliberate. Everything's very deliberate. And then the last three episodes would snap together and everything would get crazy. So I kind of feel like that's sort of where Andor's pacing is. Cause I, I, you know, I had complained about pacing before, but um, yeah, it was kind of like, it's just reminding me more of that kind of a pace of like things slapping together slowly. I watched ahead as well. And, and I, uh, and we won't spoil anything of course, but mm-hmm. I will agree with you. The pacing just feels much better yeah. in these episodes than they did in, in the first three. I also want to point out that these, this run of episodes is written by, um, Bo Williman who created mm-hmm. house of cards. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that it's like, it's somebody who, you know, has like a, a, a idea of, you know, how to write television and, and, you know, have kind of start structure that. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one shipping Cyril and Deidre? Like, can we get these two <laughs> crazy kids together? I think I think Cyril is shipping Cyril and Deidre. So, you know. They, he, he likes I a have, firm hand, yeah, I guess. He does. I have to say, Denise, go. I love her in this role. She's so... It's, and I just think, like, I her and both. Anton Lesser. But, like, also, like, Anton Lesser, like, they'll just cut to him and he'll just, like, he'll just raise his eyebrow. Just do something very subtle. And you're just, like, I, like I, I'm, I'm loving her side of the show. Um so even if she is working against our, our rebellion crew, but she's she's been. Can you imagine if, if Cyril and Deidre were together? First off, they'd have the cleanest apartment in the galaxy. <laughs> yes. Like nothing would ever escape. I, I just I, I don't know. They're just both so like focused and laser focused on this one thing. I don't know. 
I also like that, you know, we see like Cyril's little office uniform, which is basically just like a cardigan and a tie, but like sort of the Star Wars version. Yeah, like like the tie has like this weird, like just it's just hanging off a clip or something. Yeah, he kind of just looks like a guy just like going to work at some, you know, like like startup in in Manhattan. Yeah. And then but like in his weird cardigan and his like stupid little tie, like eating his cereal. I will say the fashion, like the costumes in the show. I love them. Obviously, I love all of my Mothma stuff, but I love them because they don't. Don't, it's like they fit into Star Wars, but they're such a kind of takeoff of what we've normally seen on Star Wars. Um, but Genevieve O'Reilly, honestly, every outfit she wears, I'm like, this is stunning. Someone make this. Yeah. I love that there is a character in this episode that's literally like, you have a great apartment. Like, yeah. how do you just not stand here all day long? And I'm like, that's the way I feel. Yeah. If, I have, if I also met Mon Mothma, my first words would be, why is your apartment so good? <laughs> yeah. But I also liked in those scenes that we found out a little bit more about her and Perrin's relationship. And I honestly, I'm I'm shipping uh, Mon Mothma with Tay. So it, it seems like there was something going on there. Uh, as you were well, but... a real coupling fan, weren't you? This is yeah, like well, you and I coupling. Watched coupling a lot. Yeah, I watched okay, coupling a lot. So. But even like Ben Miles, I think he was he was on the crown like the first season. But every even this morning, my uh, husband, uh, we were watching it and he referred to Ben Miles by his coupling name. And he's like, he's aging well. But I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what he said. But he was just like my husband and I, we watched a lot of coupling when we were first together. It's like when it was, is that his name? John Slattery from Mad Men? Is that his yeah. name? I well, literally, we, my wife and I still call him Dennis Martino, which was his name on Ed. Literally that show <laughs> Ed with Tom Cavanaugh. Like we still call him Dennis Martino. I honestly remember John Slattery from, there was this show on ABC in like 1990, 1991. It was set at the aftermath of World War II called Homefront. And yeah. at the time I thought John Slattery was like 45 years old. So when he showed up on Mad Men, I was like, hold on, how old is John yeah. Slattery? Because I looked and I was like, oh, he was only 29, but he was already like a silver fox at 29. Yeah, it was a Steve so. Martin thing. It was like yeah, a Steve Martin yeah. thing. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, anything else you all want to say about uh, about Andor before we move on to Tales of the Jedi? Just that Matt, just happy to see Andy Circus. Just oh, yeah. more yes, Andy Circus. Yeah, great. He's I'd great. be curious to see, you know, Andy has been doing some some a lot of really great directing, you know, um, and so I'd, I'd be curious if he would ever want to sort of play in that world in the in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, all right. We are, again, we have interviews with Ashley Eckstein and Corey Burton, who stars Ahsoka and Dooku in Tales of the Jedi coming up in just a little bit. But I, I want to get all of our thoughts on it. All six episodes out now on Disney Plus. They're about uh, roughly about 15 minutes a piece. There's three Ahsoka in, uh, episodes. There's three Dooku episodes. It's really weird. It's like they're not like it's like it starts with an Ahsoka. Then it goes to like, I think maybe like three Dookus, then two Ahsokas. It's so I think it's sort of like chronological, like they, they did Ahsoka's birth and then they they switched back to where Dooku was at this time. And then like, I'm not so sure I that think, works. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but it was a little interesting that way. Lauren, I found the Dooku stuff generally a lot more intriguing than the Ahsoka stuff, but you are our animated expert and she mm-hmm. is one of your favorite characters ever. So give us your take on the six episode series. Um, I thought like, I really liked it. I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, this is, uh, this is stuff you're going to enjoy. And also, it's pretty much because like, uh, none of these would have worked quite as Clone Wars episodes, because they don't really take place like, like, there's one with uh, the Ahsoka training montage. But it's like the way it's told. At first, you're kind of like when I, I was watching the one that's like the second Ahsoka one, which is the training montage. I'm like, where is this kind of going? Is this like about like Anakin just being very dark side as a master? But then you kind of realize how 
Anakin training her so intensely is what actually helps her survive Order 66. So I liked that. And then the first one uh, where we see Ahsoka being born and how they realize her her uh, family realizes she's a Jedi. I thought that was fascinating because we really haven't seen people outside of Anakin in their families before they're taken as Jedis. And you see like how much she's like loved and adored and like, you know, and so you're, and, and like how much her parents loved her. So I just like thought that was like a little, a nice little sort of vignette and, and how uh, fierce her, her mom was. And you're like, Oh, I see where Ahsoka gets it. And then the last one is for people who've read the Ahsoka novel. It's a little bit of like some of the same stuff where we see that Ahsoka was at Padme's funeral and, and Bale managed to spot her, which I was like, if Bale spotted her, I would think some other people would be trying to spot her as well. Uh, and he basically, this is sort of setting up how she becomes uh, the fulcrum later in Star Wars Rebels. But there is a scene in this where she kills, they don't say this is the sixth brother, but in the Ahsoka novel, she kills the sixth brother. She takes his lightsaber and that's how she gets her second set of lightsaber crystals. Um, but I'm assuming this is the sixth brother. He's he's they named him as an inquisitor. He's played by Clancy Brown, who's done a lot of Star Wars vocal work before. Shout out um, to St. Albans. Yeah. So um, but I thought that was kind of interesting because you they're just like these little vignettes that they're just like they just sort of show you these little key moments in Ahsoka's life. So I enjoyed them. But, you know, she's my favorite character. Yeah, so. I thought I thought they were I didn't I thought they were fine. I don't think they're mm -hmm. bad by any means. But like I didn't get I thought the. I don't want to say the worst one, but the one I was least interested in was the baby Ahsoka one. Like, I don't need to see Ahsoka just going, oh, like as a baby for like 15 <laughs> minutes. That's literally not, I, w I don't need to see that. I don't need I to like will say that the Dooku stuff I thought was pretty interesting because I've never really liked Dooku as a character. So that was like when I was watching these, I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I, I also, before, before we get off Ahsoka, I do want to say uh, Team Bail were gone on this. That was just flat out dumb for her and Rex to go to Padme's funeral. Like, what <laughs> yeah. is the point? Like, everyone's looking for, like, why would you do that? Going to the Although, heart of, like, it's just... Right, though, at that moment, like, you know, the Emperor is basically putting uh, Anakin back together. So maybe she thinks she could get away with it. Because also she thinks Anakin's dead at this point. She doesn't realize, like, nobody has any idea what's going on. But before we dive further, Devin, did you watch these episodes? Uh, and if so, what'd you think? I haven't seen them yet. Don't, don't, don't cancel me. But I, I will say that I have a, a question for you, which is something that I saw a headline about and I'm very curious about, which is Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. Yeah, plays yeah. Shell. It, mm -hmm. though, so there's like crazy. So let's talk about the Dooku stuff. In the last episode, there's crazy voice talent. Ian McDermott mm -hmm. is there playing Sidious. Liam Neeson is back doing Qui-Gon. And then Bryce Dallas Howard is doing Yaddle. Uh, I, I, I really uh, listen. I'm not a massive Dooku fan, mm -hmm. um, and I think we talked about him, and he didn't rank all that high on our top 100 Star Wars characters list. Um, but I really liked these episodes. I thought this really showed us the story for the first time of Dooku's descent to the dark side. We've seen him yeah. earlier on in Clone Wars and various other places um, as a villain, and obviously in the films. But and you really start to see, you really see the progression well here. You like you start to see in that first episode. And by the way, we're 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 talking, we're spoiler alert and what we're going to get into here. I mean, there's not really that anything that spoilery in Ahsoka, mm -hmm. but there certainly is in, in Dooku. Um, we see him in the first episode, Chuck, a, choke a corrupt senator and he throws Qui-Gon, who's his paddling back against a barn, force pushes him. And you can see he's like, corruption like yours must be eradicated. You see in the second episode, he tells Mace, your devotion to rules is sometimes inspiring and sometimes maddening. And then you see him get totally pissed off when Mace gets the council seat instead of Dooku, because he went off script during the mission. 
And so that's all kind of like set up for them what happens in the third episode. And first off, I want to get into a, into a super duper geeky timeline question because mm-hmm. Lauren, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but they kind of make it seem like Dooku is still in the Jedi Order at the time of the Phantom Menace, which we know is not the case. As previously established, been not the case. He left the Jedi uh, before then. I mean, if you read Master and Apprentice and other things like yeah. that, and if you look at it, like, he's gone. Now, I think he occasionally does visit. You know, he's got a good relationship with them. I guess you could say maybe he's just visiting the Jedi Temple here when this when this episode happens and after Qui-Gon's been killed. But like, but he's in he's in the temple archives deleting Kamino. You see him do it. Obviously, that plays a big part in Attack of the Clones. He's in the archives deleting stuff. And then later talking to Yaddle, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Lauren, did that confuse you at all? Because I guess maybe he's just a visitor. But if you just watch this and don't know the whole expanded universe, it's like you think he's still in the order. Well, there's the thing is like when I think in Master Commander, like he had left, but he would come back on occasion to visit Qui-Gon. And I thought that was interesting in the first episode, Qui-Gon's voice was done by Liam Neeson's son, which I thought was um, interesting. Um, But just going back to this, but uh, that uh, I thought that final episode was pretty was really fascinating because it's like I kind of assumed that there was. Uh, you know, he went and he deleted it and maybe he was just on a visit. And I don't know since he was, you know, a Jedi master for so long, because wasn't it like he went back to be like, he, like his family, he had inherited his yes. from his family. Correct. Um, so I guess maybe they didn't realize he was quite Sith yet. So he still had his library privileges. Um, <laughs> so the library card, literally yeah. a library card, Jedi his library, library card. Part, his library card had not been revoked oh, yet. He had some overdue um, fees on some of those holocrons. Yeah, you know, but I did, I did think that, yeah, so that there was that, but then that scene in front of the tree uh, where Qui-Gon had, uh, had just died, I assume that like perhaps he was coming because you know, he found out Qui-Gon was dead and like he was at this place of remembrance for his Padawan. But you could tell he really did care about because uh, even when he had seen Qui-Gon before Qui-Gon was going to, he had just seen met Darth Maul. He had reported back to the council and Dooku ran into him and Qui-Gon was telling them about Obi-Wan. And, you know, like it still seemed like they had a good relationship. And in like Master and Apprentice and in like even in the later, like uh, the Obi-Wan Padawan novel that came out, like, Qui-Gon and Dooku did have like a pretty good relationship. Like they, they did, he did come back to visit Qui-Gon quite a, quite a right. lot. It's just, it's interesting that they didn't make it clear for those yeah. that aren't like, you know, as steeped in the history that like, Hey, by the way, he's not a Jedi anymore when all this happens. Yeah. Like, cause otherwise yeah. you're going to think you see him in the temple, you see him at the tree. You're going to think he's a Jedi. Yeah. He's not. Um, so then let's get into again, spoiler alert, the Yaddle situation. Yeah. Um, basically what happens is, Dooku takes off and Yaddle, I guess, follows him and mm-hmm. basically sees him meeting with Sidious and basically overhears him admitting all the things he's been doing for Sidious. And then Yaddle all of a sudden, like, basically fires up the lightsaber and engages him. Why Yaddle does not at least radio for backup at first is, is kind of maddening. <laughs> Just send a little message like, BT dubs, uh, yeah. Dooku's a Sith. And by the way, there's Darth Sidious is standing right in front of me here in Coruscant. So, you know, make your way over to this hangar. ASAP. Uh, doesn't do any of that. So then, of course, none of this knowledge gets out there because why would a Sith be smart enough to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, obviously, um, goes in uh, with the lightsaber, gets into a battle with Dooku, and Dooku just straight up uh, kills Yaddle. Um, <gasps> lo- lo- yeah, Yaddle dead. Spoiler which, alert. My turn exactly. to guess. Spoiler alert. I know. Alert. I know. Not and, and, like, Marcellus Howard Yaddle. I know. So they're like, you know... Um, 
creating some new expanded universe uh, canon here. Um, how did you feel about it, Lauren? I, I I felt the whole thing was a little too familiar to Anakin chopping off Mace Windu's arm and turning the dark side. Basically, Devin, like Duke is kind of on the edge. Is he going to kill Yaddle? Is he not? Yeah. Then he does. And that's sort of the last step that firmly pushes him all the way into this Sith corner, which is it kind of exactly what happens with Anakin. Yeah. So, Lauren, well, how did you feel about that? I felt a little repetitive. Well, yeah, it's a little bit like it was a little sudden because, you know, I wish there would have been a little bit more. But, you know, it, once Seattle found them and, and Sidious was there, it's not like Sidious was a hologram. He was actually physically there. So it yeah. sort of was like Seattle wasn't getting out no matter what, even if even if Dooku didn't kill him. And even but that was the interesting thing when Dooku went and he was pissed that uh, Mar- Maul had killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, so he was like, and the thing is like, uh, the one thing that I noticed, cause I rewatched them this morning was like, uh, the first two episodes involved corrupt senators. And there were, there was a lot of discussion about the, you know, this, the Jedi are just like the, the puppets of the, of the Senate. And so you can kind of see how, uh, you know, um, Dooku is starting to just not quite believe in the Republic system. And yeah, that was set up well. yeah. And, and so it was sort of like, he was starting to have doubts. He was starting to have doubts about the Jedi and he didn't really like what the council was doing, which is honestly something that Qui-Gon is like as well uh, later on um, to different aims. So, I mean, it, it seems a little sudden, but I did like, you know, I, I Yaddle hasn't really ever gotten that much to do. So I was kind of glad to do it and glad to get Bryce Dallas Howard doing it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like that character. It's like but... that character in a TV show, which all of a sudden's been a background player. Then they get some big speech in an episode, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, this person's gonna die!" Like They're they finally 100%. give Yaddle something to do, <laughs> yeah. and then freaking kill Yaddle. Like, mm-hmm. why are they gotta do that? And by the way, as as you mentioned on the podcast a few weeks back, like, does not sound anything like Yoda. None of the backwards <laughs> speak. Not at all. No. None of that stuff. This, this we've just discovered that this is Yoda's speaking quirk. This is not anything that. Yeah, poor it's, Sammy's like, oh, this I can get behind. Yeah, Team Yaddle. <laughs> and then, zip. That's over. Do you think Yoda's like that guy who comes back from like studying abroad and like suddenly speaks with a weird accent? And like, he's <laughs> like, totally. oh, okay, sure. Yeah, someone who, someone who comes back from London and has a British accent. It's like Madonna yeah. in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, back when I was in Ibiza. And you're just like, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I, I like to think that that's, that's Yoda. And Yaddle's a little bit like, dude, why, why are you, yeah. What's, yeah. Why are you trying so hard? All right. Anything else, Lauren? You you want to say about Tales of the Jedi before we get to our uh, our big two big interviews? Oh no! I mean, uh, I talked to Ashley Eckstein. She was lovely. I had a great conversation with her. So, um, you know, we went through. We talked about Tales of the Jedi, but we talked about some other stuff as well, including uh, meeting Rosario Dawson and what it was like to meet uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor for the first time at Celebration. So we got into a lot of good stuff. Well, fine, Miss Braggy Braggy. I spoke to Corey Burton, and he was just as interesting. And we talked about Count Duca, but of course. Yeah. You ladies know I had to talk about Cad Bane with him because he of does course the voice I of Cad Bane. Know so you know we went in, <laughs> we went in deep on some Cad Bane <laughs> stuff. Like it was like, uh, yeah, can I get him on to talk Dooku and Cad Bane? Uh, so <laughs> on uh, brand, right. yeah. On well, brand. You, you know, enough of us uh, blabbering about that. Let's let's chat with the two stars of the show. We spoke with Ashley Eckstein, who plays Ahsoka, and Corey Burton, who voices Count Dooku, and we are going to play both of those interviews for you right after this super quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dagobah Dispatch. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to to chat about Ahsoka with you. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I'm so happy to talk to you about it. Um, so I've like I've watched Tales of the Jedi. I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan of the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and stuff. So this was like totally right up my alley. And for the people who haven't seen it yet, there's uh, six episodes total. Three of about Ahsoka and three about Count Dooku. Both kind of like lost Jedi's. But like, how did it feel to put like Ahsoka's headtails back on, so to speak? Oh, it felt amazing too. I, I actually say to step back in Ahsoka's boots. Uh, <laughs> it was just incredible. You know, I I I never take anything for granted. You know, every single time I finish a project, you know, I never think like, okay, well, what's the next one? I just look at it with gratitude of like, I'm just so happy that I still get to voice Ahsoka all these years later. Um, you know, I've been voicing Ahsoka and helped originate the character in 2006. And I just feel so blessed that I've done it for so long. But to step back into Ahsoka's boots in this Clone Wars time period is really special because it's really just me. You know, mm-hmm. I feel so lucky that I was cast as Ahsoka to just be myself. And um, so Ahsoka and Clone Wars is very much my own personality, my own humor, you know, my own kind of heart and soul. And um, it's very easy for me to just step into that character. Um I would say Ahsoka and Clone Wars is most like my own personality. I have grown up with her. And so now I feel more comfortable being in Ahsoka's boots in the Rebels time period too. Mm -hmm. But um, a huge part of my personality is in Ahsoka and Clone Wars. And so it was was so much fun and I had a great time and it just felt like I was at home. That's wonderful. And I, what I really like to see is that we just get to see these sort of three key moments in Ahsoka's life that we didn't really get to see before. And what I thought was super fascinating about the first episode is you get to see Ahsoka as a baby and you get to see her family, which we never really get to see like outside of Anakin. We don't get to see like a Jedi's family. So I thought that was like, was that a story that Dave had like told you about beforehand? Or was this like a totally new story that you had heard? Like, was this something in the background that he had told you when you had been working on the Clone Wars? So, so no, it's something we never discussed, but it always came up. Mm-hmm. So um, I was always very curious about Ahsoka's backstory. And, you know, I could always tell there was more that Dave had that story in <laughs> his mind. But Dave usually works on a need to know basis. Like he tells you what you need to know to record the episode. And then he keeps everything kind of secretly locked up in, in his head because, you know, he's he's a really smart guy. He, he mm-hmm. knows that, or I think he hoped that there would be many more future stories. And so wanting to keep those stories private. But I was always very curious about Ahsoka's mom and Ahsoka's family and how it happened and when it happened. And so I'm not surprised that um, this was one of the stories that Dave chose to tell because um, it always seemed very special to him and that eventually it would be told. <laughs> 
what I loved about that that little one was that you you do see that she was like she was in a very loving environment, and you think about like what the sacrifice it was for her parents to give her to the Jedi, like and sort of and it's just a very interesting way to see like this is whole all of Ahsoka's background. Um, but in terms of like the second story, I thought that was really interesting because uh, as it started and we were watching, you know, Anakin train Ahsoka and, and be a little bit hard on her about it, and you're like, is this like Anakin's like dark side aspect yeah. coming out? But then you realize it's like his intensity of the training in effect like saves her life, and especially I, I like the fact that like Jesse was involved in the training because Jesse is later involved in the person she's trying to escape from during Order 66. I just thought that was a really kind of an interesting, like a little bit of a turn where you're just like, oh, what is Anakin doing to her? This is awful. Like he's being really hard on her. And then you're like, oh, this is why he's doing it. And I just thought that was a really nice way to sort of see how their relationship kind of prepared her for her future. Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing especially with the way that Dave Filoni tells stories, everything's connected. Mm -hmm. Whether you think it is or not, there's always some sort of connection with the story or whether it's a nod Mm -hmm. uh, to one of the movies and he's, you know, paying homage to one of the movies um, or honoring a certain character. Everything usually is tied to something um, or inspired by a, a favorite scene. I love how connected these shorts are. You know, they really fill in moments of time that we wanted Mm -hmm. to know more about. And, you know, specifically with this one where Anakin was training Ahsoka, you know, in the beginning of Clone Wars, some people were like, oh, you know, Ahsoka is just so good at everything. Like how Mm -hmm. is she so skilled? How is she so good? And I do love how one of my favorite episodes was actually Storm Over Ryloth, where Mm -hmm. Ahsoka failed her mission. She didn't listen. And you know, still fans to this day bring up that episode. They say that was a very, especially kids that were kids then that watched it. They said that was a very influential episode because they really could relate to Ahsoka. Like they Mm -hmm. actually got to see failure on screen and how Ahsoka, how it was treated as a failure, but then how she also overcame it. Um, And I I feel like Clone Wars did it, has always done a really good job at portraying reality. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we didn't necessarily get to see was why Ahsoka was so skilled, you know, in her training and and using her lightsabers. And so I love that this now gives us a peek of what that was like. And again, that's only a moment. I mean, can you imagine if we got to see some of the other training moments? Yeah. Um, Obviously, there was so much behind the scenes that we never got to see. Yeah. And you just always sort of sense that, you know, as a master, Anakin would probably just naturally be pretty intense uh, rather than, you know, the very kind of calm masters we'd seen otherwise. Did you guys record together for this? Like, did you and Matt and Dee and and James, did you all, were you all together to record these or... Yeah. So this was, this was a COVID show. I was wondering. Yeah. And so we recorded it smack dab in the middle of COVID, but we did record it together. So thanks to, thanks to zoom, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're doing now, (laughs) um, we got to record together, you know, in air quotes together. So we were all in our various studios, all in different States, but you know, the crew was there and um, I recorded with Matt and and James. And so it, it was really special, you know, especially during that time in COVID where we were all just craving connection. Mm-hmm. We'll have a little bit of normalcy and get to record together, even though it was different. You know, we still laughed and cried and and shared stories. And it was um, 
it, it, it was a very special record. Yeah, I, I think over the pandemic, I did learn what a tool Zoom could be. And I had not even thought about it beforehand. You were just like, oh, you know, it's it's Zoom. But, you know, exactly. um, as for the third episode, first, I thought that was fascinating because to see that Ahsoka had been at Padme's funeral. And I always like to like when uh, Star Wars sort of gives more attention to Padme, because I think we always talk Anakin, Anakin, Anakin. But we're like, she is very important, too. So like the fact that like Ahsoka showed up for Padme's funeral because she was, uh, you know, a friend of hers as well. But then I think this is like a very kind of fascinating time. And I noticed that uh, there were some of the connections to the Ahsoka novel in this or, or, or from what I remember, because I, I read the Ahsoka novel right at the beginning of the pandemic. So some of my <laughs> I don't remember quite all of it. But um, Bale trying to recruit her to what eventually she'll become the fulcrum, you know, and then also when she is really just hiding undercover, not really ready to rejoin the fight. And that that's the sixth brother, right, that she's fighting. So I, I haven't seen the episode yet, okay. but I, I know the episode because I recorded it. But the parts where I don't speak, I didn't see it. So oh, okay. <laughs> right. confirm that with you. Um, I'm going to be doing a live watch with the fans on Wednesday. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm excited to see it for the first time with everyone. I got the screener last week, uh, so I saw it. But I was like, it, it seemed like it was sort of the similar uh, where she defeats the sixth brother in the novel. And that's where her new kyber crystals come from. That's what I was I was assuming that's what, what was going on there. But yeah. I did like the fact that she was going by Ashla um, because I know that was George's original name for Ahsoka, correct? And then he used it later for the light side of the force. Yes, that's what I've been told, that um, Ashla was Ahsoka's original name. It's kind of funny because um, Dave Filoni had a cousin named mm -hmm. Ashley, and um, his cousin was very influential to him as he was creating the character of Ahsoka. And so people think when they hear the name Ashla, they think it was like named yeah. after me and um but it wasn't he had a cousin named ashley so it's also kind of ironic that i got the part and my name's Ashley. <laughs> so there's there's a strong connection with the name ashley ashla and ahsoka, and ahsoka. yeah there we go i did, had no idea that that was she was influenced by dave's cousin that's really fascinating i didn't know that yeah. um, I, I think he's talked about that publicly he's talked about it a lot um, uh -huh. over the years. So I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling anything. Pro uh, probably not. I might, I might've just missed that part of his interview, yeah. but that was really interesting. And then like, do you have a favorite, uh, like, I guess you haven't seen all three, but when you were performing, was there a favorite? Well, so I like them for different ways. Um, the training episode I loved because the gang was back together. Mm -hmm. So it was just fun. We laughed, you know, uh, we cried, you know, we, we shared stories. Like it was just, it, it just was like old times, you know, like we hadn't skipped a beat and, and, and that's how we are as a cast. We're all very, very close. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we get together, we, we don't skip a beat. It's like, we pick up where we left off, but the, the scene at Padme's funeral I will say that was very personal to me because the emotions were very real. Mm -hmm. So um, as I mentioned in the beginning, I, I never take anything for granted. So that was the last episode I recorded. And so I didn't know. I'm like, okay, is this, is this the last time I'll ever record Ahsoka? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just never, I, you know, I, I, I don't automatically know a future project. So it's like, I was so grateful for Tales of the Jedi. Um but it was coming to an end. And uh, so Ahsoka kind of, you know, being sad that 
everything was over and mm-hmm. that Padme had died and she was saying goodbye to Padme. In my mind, I was saying goodbye to the show. I was saying goodbye to maybe even Ahsoka. I was, I was saying goodbye to Padme. Um, so the emotions were very real. And I started mm-hmm. just sobbing in the, uh-huh. in the recording studio, like literally like, I could not stop crying, like snot, like literally snot was coming out. It was one of those ugly cries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we only recorded those, that scene maybe three times um, because the emotions were, were very, very real that, um, you know, we, we were able to, able to get it. I don't think Dave even realized how much I was crying. <laughs> it was via Zoom. Had it been in person, he would have looked at me like, what's wrong (laughs) but um but yeah that was a very personal episode for me and I I can't wait to to hear it back so is there any hope of like I know the Bad Batch season two is coming and and Ahsoka is around in this timeline and is there any hope that we might see Ahsoka pop up uh with uh, that the Bad Batch crew I I know we see Rex a lot on this so yeah I haven't recorded Ahsoka and Bad okay. Batch. And Dave Filoni promised me that I would always be the voice of Ahsoka in animation. So um, I haven't Rightfully recorded so. anything, but, but never, I mean, never say never, um, but, but I haven't yet. Okay. Well, that's, I, I hope to see her in the future, but then I did also want to ask, like, I know Matt Lanter had a, uh, a cameo in the Mandalorian, I believe season one. Uh, did, is there any chance she might pop up in live action? I mean, I know we have the Ahsoka actual show coming as well. Like, do you, yeah. is there a chance we might see you in live action? So I, I will share. Mm-hmm. Um, I did just have the incredible opportunity to visit the set of Ahsoka. Oh, that's great. Um, so I did have just the most amazing set visit and I finally got to meet Rosario Dawson. She was just lovely. Um, we just really hit it off, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, I knew we would, I, you know, I've been waiting to meet her for like three years and I was so excited. Um, and so, yeah, we just really just had uh, just, it was such an incredible moment uh, to be there, but it was just a set visit. So no. um, I, I, did not film a cameo. I don't want to start like a rumor. People <laughs> are like, she's on the set. She played a character. No, it was just a set visit. So I, mm-hmm. I have not filmed a cameo for the Ahsoka series. Um, but hopefully there will be a season two. Um, yeah. and, you know, I talk about throwing your dreams out into the universe. So it would be a dream come true if I got to do a cameo. Because my background is in live action. Like, yeah, I know. You were on the Disney. Is in live action. Um, you know, Ahsoka was my first really big voiceover role. Um, and so, so hopefully, you know, throw your dreams out into the universe. Hopefully it'll happen one day. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. And then I know at Star Wars Celebration, was that the first time that you had met Hayden and Ewan? It was, it was. And, and it was so crazy because we met live on stage. That's crazy. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't get the chance to meet them backstage. Um, Cause I was, I was so nervous and I was prepping for questions. And so um, we literally said hello and hugged it out on stage <laughs> thousands of fans for the first time. And then, you know, the, the clip that I didn't even realize at the time, but that kind of went viral was me sitting next to Hayden and saying, so uh, Hayden, it's nice to meet you sky guy. <laughs> not planned yeah. at all. That was just really me geeking out completely. It was nervous joy. Like Mm -hmm. I was so excited and I was so nervous, 
I didn't know what to say. I was just like, oh, nice to meet you, Sky Guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then when everyone cheered, I didn't even realize that they were cheering in large part to that moment. Um, Because if you see the video, like I lean over to Hayden and I'm like, see all these cheers? Like, this is for you. People love you. Yeah. um, It was in large part to him. I mean, just the, the love for Hayden and Ewan and, you know, the love that the prequels are getting now is just so well-deserved. But it wasn't until later, like later in the day that someone from Disney came up to me and they're like, do you see that you're trending on Twitter Um, from that moment? (laughs) And um, I, you know, it was such a blur. I'm so happy that it was captured on video that I can now, you know, look back on it and be like, wow, that was, that was really fun. That was cool. Um, Cause yeah, I'm just as much of a star Wars fan as everyone else. So to have that moment was, was pretty special. Yeah. I saw that when that happened and I was just like, Oh, that's amazing. Like they're all, all three of them. They're all there. Like, I just thought that was great. I loved that. And in terms of like, I know that Hayden had actually watched the Clone Wars to prepare for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I thought was like great of him too, because you guys have did so much work about Anakin and Ahsoka and all of this other stuff. So I was kind of great to see that he had watched that as well. But I was wondering like with Kenobi in their final fight, um, did have a lot of similarities to your fight with uh, when you uh, Ahsoka meets Anakin as Darth Vader in Twilight of the Apprentice and Obi-Wan cracking the helmet like he cracked one side, you had cracked the other. And so, like, what did you think when you saw that? Like, did you go, like, I did that first or like? What uh, no, I mean, I we oh, I actually talked about that moment with Matt Lanter and um, and James Arnold Taylor. And, mm. you know, I think we all just feel a sense of, of, of honor that Clone Wars is now just truly cemented its role in the overall canon of, of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, cause for so long, the animated shows were just looked at as like this side thing that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you- to watch it you it's not tied in you know it's not that big of a deal so some people just really neglected the animated shows for so long um and so it really is just kind of we get excited to see the nods and the ties mm-hmm. and how now i mean honestly if you don't watch clone wars and star wars rebels you're kind of out of the loop for the live action series yeah that's but true i tell everyone especially before Sunku comes out I'm like, do yourself a favor and watch Clone Wars and Rebels because a lot of things are just going to go completely over your head um, and you're going to be a little confused of like, well, who is that character? Wait, mm-hmm. you know, just in um, uh, what what was it? Book of Boba Fett, you know, Cad Bane. Oh, yeah, that was that was the funny thing, because like my my dad and my sister had been watching and they're like, that guy's so cool. And I was like. You guys realize he was all over the animated yeah. series. They had no idea. They're like, he's really cool. And so it's funny because I I did come to the Clone Wars pretty late because when it when it first started airing, like, you know, I was I was in my late twenties and you yeah, know, and so I, I finally Yeah, I finally got it. Like I started watching it on Netflix and then it left Netflix, but then I finally went like when it hit Disney Plus, I was like, finally I can watch this whole thing. And I did it like in like a month. And I, and now I try to proselytize to other people much to my, my podcast, uh, my 
podcast hosts uh, make fun of me because I'm constantly like, you've got to watch the animation. And like when we did a, a Star Wars character ranking, we did the hundred best Star Wars characters and you wound up at nine. So um, wow, yeah. that's huge. <laughs> yeah. And but they kept going through because uh, I kept like I, I came came up with a whole list of the animated characters. They're like, you can't put every single one of these on the list. And I'm like, why can't I put all these people on the list? They're all great characters. So I yeah. kind of proselytize about it now. I think specifically because I just came to it so late. But, yeah. you know, once I discovered it, I was like, this is like my favorite Star Wars stuff ever. So. Oh, absolutely. It's just we're we're very proud of the work that we did for so mm-hmm. many years. And so I think seeing, you know, things like that being included, you know, like the slashing of the helmet, we just feel very proud that it's now kind of considered one with the force. Um, and, you know, for me personally, I just, you know, the fact that Ahsoka was included in episode nine was a huge moment for Ahsoka. Like mm-hmm. I was so proud for of Ahsoka that, you know, she had, be, she had come so far that she was chosen as one of the Jedi to appear in that moment with Ray. Um, you know, it just goes to show that how far she had come from this snippy Padawan that some people, a lot of people didn't like. Mm-hmm. Now people are like jumping out of their seats, cheering when they heard her voice in episode nine. So um, yeah, it's, it's really special to see how um, all the characters are included kind of as one now. Yeah, I, I that's I I love it, and I love when uh, in in the Mandalorian when like Bo Katan showed up, I was like, it's Bo Katan, and um, you know, <laughs> not to be just silly about it, but it is like I, I think it, it, and I like the fact that Dave Filoni has been tying the animated stuff into the live action so much because I think it's like it just makes it feel like this is a like huge story that that they are telling about this galaxy and that there's a lot of heroes all over the place in it, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many more stories to tell. I mean, just these six shorts, I think, I really think fans are going to love them. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, well, we want more. Like there's yeah. so many moments. If you think about it, there's so many moments that we didn't get to see and so many questions we have. And I think this is a great way to explore those questions and answer those questions. So, um, you know, we're, starting with six, but man, it would be a dream if we got to make more. Yeah, I would love to see it. But anyway, Ashley, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me and thank you for joining me on the Dagobah Dispatch. I hope we have you on again uh, later on, hopefully to talk about more Star Wars projects. I would love it. I would love it. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for having me on. We are here with Corey Burton, who plays Count Dooku on Tales of the Jedi, which is on Disney Plus right now. Corey, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Well, it's my pleasure. <laughs> it's very nice to meet you. You've done a lot of different characters, obviously playing Count Dooku again here. And you know, you've done a fair amount of villains or or, or scary voices in your career yeah. as well. Not just Star Wars, but other Disney stuff, playing bad guys in superhero shows. Yeah. Why, why is your voice so perfect for that, Corey? I have always gravitated towards uh, the the villains the and older characters. Uh, I mean, I've had basically the same voice since I was like 17 mm-hmm. when I started. And, um, and you know, and, and they'd, they'd always have me play like teen characters. Um, <laughs> and they're, done, they're not interesting to me, you know. I wanted to play the villains. Funny thing, though, is that because I could play young, <laughs> um, I matched 
for the Disney people, they did storyteller LPs where we would quote lines and imitate the characters from films. And they did the Star Wars one. And I could sound like Mark, like Luke Skywalker. So I did Luke Skywalker. And when I met Mark Hamill, uh, working on Empire Strikes Back, doing some ADR uh, background voice stuff, a friend who was with me, who had also worked on that storyteller record, uh, said, oh, you know, he does uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, <laughs> you know, Mark being Mark. So, oh, let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> now, well, you sound kind of like this. And so, he said, oh, that's great. But, uh, said, you know, I would like to do more voice acting, but my agent won't let me. <laughs> and of course, he ended up being, you know, amazing, mostly a voice actor for many yeah. years. We would see each other on auditions and he's, he's always he's been such a pal. And in fact, I was the guy who reminded Dave <laughs> that Mark was available when we um, were uh, working on Clone Wars. And I was there for a session and Mark was there for something else. I, I thought he was there for Clone Wars. And I said, <laughs> and he said, no, he said, Dave, uh, he said, he doesn't have a character for me yet. I don't want to bother him. And I said, come on in, come on in, come on in. <laughs> and, and of course, uh, you know, uh, that's amazing. I don't remember what the first character he did in Clone Wars was, but uh, and you, anyway. you hooked him up with Dave Filoni. That's incredible. And, you know, Corey, I have one of those Empire Strikes Back records that you're talking about. Mine's a, a, one of those seven inches that they would have sort of in the sleeve with the story and it would ding every time you change yeah, the pages. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure if that's yeah, the one I'm, you're on, but I have I'm that. on. I'm on all three of them. Oh, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> on the first one, I did, uh, <laughs> I did Alec Guinness, as a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, as well as Luke. And I can't, I, I, oh, God, did I do Han Solo on the first one? I think I did. Oh, my God. You've gone I over to the dark side now. You started with the light. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but because uh, I always wanted to do the, you know, the older characters and the wizards. And so, uh, Luke, use the force. Let it guide your actions or something. That's amazing. I want you to know, before we get into the Tales of the Jedi stuff, you, you happen to voice my favorite animated Star Wars character ever. And one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period, with the bounty hunter, Cad Bane. I've always loved this character from his first yeah. Clone Wars tell, tell me how you found his voice, Corey. Well, it was actually um, uh, the suggestion came straight from George through Dave, and they had tried out uh, various actors, uh, and they were more sort of Western bad guy types. And Dave said, said, said we, we, you know, George isn't happy with the character. It sounds too normal wanted something more weird could you combine this sort of western bounty hunter bad guy character with peter laurie right yeah i could do that and so yeah it, you, know, so it's, you know peter laurie was the, the famous uh, central european we don't really know where he came from but uh but he had that sound so i combined that western thing which was kind of more like this and so i melded the two together 
And, uh, and then he has those wonderful expressions. Uh, yeah, I didn't think I'd see you here, little lady. <laughs> Always that threat. And uh, it's a beautiful character. It's uh, I'm just so lucky. Um, oh, you don't know how I'm just I'm sm- grinning from ear to ear now just to hear you do the character for me. It's I, I, it's so great. What what is what is it about? And I love Peter Laurie. I mean, what that's so what a great yeah, well, who doesn't <laughs> add to that voice. It's so so smart. What what is it that makes Cad Bane so cool, Corey? Um. <laughs> He is, uh, well, he's completely um, ruthless as a bounty hunter. He only cares about getting his pay, getting his credits. And uh, whoever hires him, (laughs) he will do the dirty deeds for, um, and he can, you know. He, he escapes every situation. <laughs> he just, uh, you, you're not going to get him. <laughs> um, what was it like getting to see that character go sort of live action, so to speak, in the book of Boba Fett and getting to sort of voice him in, in that series? Oh, well, you know, I, I mean, I especially, I try to keep as an audience member because I am a fan also. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to, only focus on the scenes that I am in. I figure I don't want to know anything more than the character knows. I don't want something to slip in an innuendo or whatever that might shade it in a way that, oh, well, he knows what's happening in the other scene, you know, on that other ship uh, somewhere else in the galaxy. And, and he's not supposed to know that. So, but anyway, but as a fan, I want to be surprised. I don't like to spoil it for myself. So I didn't know what to expect. And it was a special thrill for me because I worked with Dave, of course, mm-hmm. who, you know, we have such a perfect working friendship (laughs) we kind of know what each other is thinking um but also i am working with robert rodriguez as a character for the i guess the second episode Uh, and i'm i'm robert rodriguez trailer voice for uh you know Planet Terror, (laughs) (laughs) which is a send up of the 1970s exploitation films. Yeah. You know, she's driving. But anyway, but uh, so so I've known Robert for forever. And uh, so uh, it was so much fun recording the lines. We as per John Favreau's uh, suggestion, we adapted the character for live action to make it first of all more cinematic mm-hmm. so more close up and he said now he's 50 years older so he's going to slow down and john said you know i'm not liking this kind of 1940s radio kind of thing you know this uh, because it you know taken from peter laurie and that kind of thing it's got that old radio quality he said uh so I don't know. Can you just be more natural with it and and very slow? And I thought, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And Dave said, no, the fans aren't going to like it if he doesn't have the same accent. 
and the same tone. And I said, no, 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 no. John's got a point. He's 50 years older. He hasn't been on his home planet in 50 years. Every foreigner, uh, once they are acclimated and, and living in, on a different world for 50 years, their accent is going to fade. And so the accent faded, the usefulness, the, the, the swagger changed to a more menacing, almost like labored, breathing, you know, kind of thing from all the battles he'd been in. And so it, it, it became a more quieter, slower, more uh, deliberate. Yeah. More, yeah. As I, the, the expression wizened. Right. comes to mind but anyway now getting back around to how how did i feel about seeing it was uh again and it was you know like a year yeah. <laughs> since well not quite no not, well uh, nearly since i recorded the scenes and uh, i'm a fan of mandalorian and and book of boba fett especially and i had the reaction that the fans had and I can't, I won't say it for an all ages audience, but my, my reaction when I saw that silhouette, I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, my God. It was so cool. It was yeah. just so cool. It was I loved it so much. I was thrilled. And, and, uh, and, 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 and Dorian. Mm-hmm. You know, who was uh, <clears throat> did the body of the character perfectly embodied Cad Bane. It was just fantastic. And all the uh, all the uh, special effects uh, puppeteers and animatronics people that that did all the facial work. Uh, it was superb. You know, I always say, it's, you know, it's a team effort. It's like, yeah. well, you're Cad Bane. I said, no, I mean, I am the voice of Cad Bane. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's a big it's a big part of the character. And I, I, I mean, I had the same reaction that you just talked about when I saw him. I was so excited. And then, the, of course, the only thing I didn't like about it is that he dies. Uh, wh- what was your reaction to that? Was that or was that a, uh, were you bummed out or was that no big deal? Because he'll probably keep showing up in the animated universe, like, you know, on the Bad Batch again or stuff like that. Or were you a little well, sad? There's uh, you never know. And when we were wrapping up Clone Wars and there was this thought of, you know, what, what's going to happen? You know, what are you, how are you going to feel if, if Cad Bane gets killed? <laughs> and I just, you know, I've been around show business and I, and Dave was standing there and I glanced over at Dave and I said, <laughs> Oh, you know, a good villain never dies. <laughs> and he just sort of, yeah, and winked at me. <laughs> I know because I played so many villains, the, they usually come back. Now, yep. as far as CAD goes, I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. Only Dave knows. And he won't tell me. <laughs> I hope maybe he'll tell me maybe if i ask him real nice but i doubt it <laughs> i, I know no 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 he always says now don't tell anyone you know and of course you know me i don't do that 
Uh, I, I just I don't understand it. It's like like don't don't you want everyone to be surprised? Yeah, I would love it if he comes back, but I honestly don't know. Well, so so would I, sir. So would I. Uh, let's talk some tales of the Jedi, which is out now. I'll remind everyone again, as I did at the start of the podcast, that you know it's out now. So we're gonna. Yeah. If you, if you if you don't if you don't want to, you know if we, we might be talking about things that have happened on the show so if you don't want to know and you haven't seen it yet pause this go watch it then come back you've been playing Dooku obviously for for a long time and I'm Yo, curious yeah. because you've obviously done a lot of original voices and like we talked about you've done a lot of voices where you have to match another actor oh, on yeah, already established yeah. character so so what has yeah. it been like for you with Dooku to try and sort of recreate what Christopher Lee started um I don't know if I had done. Christopher Lee before mm. he played Dooku, but that's, you know, that's sort of a standard style that I'm very comfortable with. Um, a British Shakespearean character actor. And there's a certain vocal placement that's very easy for me. And uh, there's just a place where you focus the voice and it comes from a different place. In your body. And I, I, I've done so much mimicry. I mean, I, originally I, I thought I'd be like an impressionist on stage, mm. a, a mimic. And that was big in the 70s, but um, there aren't. Rich Little. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who used to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, I how do you done, go about that? Take us through a little bit like, you're going to be doing this character Count Dooku. They ask you to take a stab at him. So what do you do? Do you go back and you go and watch, obviously, I assume, his the movies, right? And his those scenes? Well, often on an assigned gig uh, or an audition, mm -hmm. they'll supply the tracks and then have various auditioners try to mimic each one. Right. Uh, and whoever... Nails it. You know, comes closest. So, yeah. I mean, when I when I'm asked to to match a voice, uh, it's just like the way I started. Um, you know, I'd have a sample of a voice. I'd play it, sort of feel it in my own being, in my own voice. Figure out where the voice comes from. Feel the character. Feel the the personality and then try to replicate it like exactly. Right. And then listen back to both back to back and see, okay, where have I gone off now? No, no, no. That's too high pitch. That's too low. Okay. And I try to remember those things. I sort of like in my head, I'm setting all of these dip switches. <laughs> yeah. And then once I've got the sound, the the way I, I think it matches, then, as my teacher would say, then forget all about that. Forget about your voice. Just be the character. So then the character is already in me and I'm trying to hear it. You know, when you read a novel and you see a character quote, you hear that character's voice in your mind. Yep. In your mind's ear, I always say. Well, that's what I do. So I hear the voice on the page. I'm not seeing the words. I'm hearing that character. And then I just try to be that that I'm hearing in my mind's ear. 
And very oftentimes my best work is when I don't even know what I did, you know, until they play it back. And I'll think, uh, I don't know, did that work? And then they'll play it back. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that does sound like it. And then once I know that I've got the character alive in my uh, subconscious gallery of characters, I just open that door and let the character come through me. That's amazing. Uh, and, and, and I know you say you just sort of will get your scenes and your lines and sort of what happened. How invested do you get in the actual story when you do voice work? Like, let's talk about Tales of the Jedi. Were you personally interested to see these gaps filled in on Dooku sort of turning to the dark side? Or is it more just sort of the technical aspects of, of hitting the lines? I mean, you know, I, I'm interested, but um, I tend to be so distracted by details that I tend to lose track of the storyline. Hmm. Well, I can t- I can tell you it's funny because uh, I hear everything you're saying. And so you're focusing on the technical aspect of it, maybe not paying as much uh, attention to the story. And you probably recorded this a year ago. So like, you know, it's probably out of your head, but like watching, yeah. watch, but watching this happen, I what I loved about this series is that we really are seeing how Dooku goes from the light to the dark. We see the seeds sort of planted in sort of the earlier yeah. episodes. And then we see him eventually, again, spoiler alert, everyone, if you haven't watched, but eventually killing a friend in Yaddle and bowing down to Darth Sidious. There's a, a big arc here and, and that we've known about the lore in Star Wars history, but we've never really seen close up. And to see that happen is pretty, is pretty fabulous. Yeah, yeah. See, now what you say, I don't... You don't remember, but I just, yeah. <laughs> I do remember, you know, I do remember asking, wait, now is he, is he Sidious? Is he turning into Sidious here or is he um, more the politician, you know, uh, mm. used uh, star cruiser salesman, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of a dumb got a great deal analogy, for but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, in other words, uh, very polite and very well, you know, politician like, you know, uh, smiling backstabber. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but now, when I first saw my lines, I thought, oh, okay, he's much younger. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I should play him as a, a very young and innocent guy. You know, um, and oh, I'm just um, training to be a Jedi one day, and gee, that would be swell, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so, I mean, I so I started out and they, no, 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 play Dooku, play Dooku. He's always been Dooku. Yeah. And then I thought, well, yeah, you know, when I was 17, I sounded like this, <laughs> kind of. I mean, not quite this old, but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but still. Um, the basic timber and personality of the voice doesn't really change that much from one's teen years, depending, I guess. Um, it's interesting to hear how you drew on your own experiences to sort of for that, to find the voice of that character now at a younger age. Is there anything else, Corey, that you do sort of in the studio to get yourself into a particular character? Like Dooku, I think of as maybe very tall, very standing, very straight uh, with a posture. Is there anything that you do when you're, when you're there to sort of become that person? I do feel the cape, the, Mm -hmm. 
the beard, although I guess in this in this uh, storyline, you know, when he's younger, he doesn't have the beard. But but it's I play him like that. There's a formality and a grandiosity. The the ego myself, you know, I'm a little nerd guy. <laughs> Nothing like the characters I play, really. But uh, and sort of austere. And uh, and I try to remember, you know, the physicality and a rather large, prominent proboscis. I think it was a uh, Sherlock Holmes movie or something. Sort of like a Basil Rathbone. Yeah, sort of like Sherlock Holmes from the old films. And so I make sure to get that prominent nose. That's where, where a lot of the focus is of where the voice comes from, how it resonates, which is an intimidating shading to the voice. Uh, Maybe that's a trick of Shakespearean actors. I don't know. I'm not Shakespearean trained, but... um, Nor am I, Corey. But you notice, you know, Shakespearean actors, they do have this nasal projection, which is different than, say, if you did the same voice without the nose, it doesn't have the power. Well, your voice has the power. The, the, the series has the power. I loved watching it. I loved hearing you again. And I hope, Corey, next time we're talking, it's a, a, a Cad Bane reunion. I, heard, I hope Cad's back. I hope so, too. I all about it. And, um, and I really appreciate I the time. So I, I, I love, I love chatting so about much. this kind of stuff. Oh, my God. Me, too. Our thanks to Ashley Eckstein and Corey Burton for joining us this week. And thanks to you for joining us as well. Please do us a solid and follow and rate the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can hit us up on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan and at Morglore. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.